Brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, peace from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, you have been so gracious and so kind in giving us your Son, our Savior Jesus. by way of teaching death, resurrection, and now ascension to exaltation. You have shown us the power that is in his name. And that we can live out our days in that clear and sure certain hope of a life that is eternal with him. Father, we call down your Holy Spirit upon this place today to enter into every nook and cranny of the space, into our hearts to fill us up, to open us up, to receive the word that would come our way. Use this one, I pray, as a simple vessel by which your word is communicated. And please do not leave him to himself, for if left to himself, He will certainly bring it all to destruction. And this we would pray in Jesus' precious and holy name. And together we would say, Amen. It is a joy to be with you again. I uh, miss this. I think I retired too early. I think I should never have retired at all. Fact of the matter is, Christians, all be they either pastor or laity, we never retire. The work goes on. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're, we're going to talk, oddly enough, about work. Not the drudgery of work, but the joy of work. Not just to put food on our tables and a roof over our heads and to pay for our medical insurances, our prescriptions and the like, but the work that is inside us. The work that cries out to come out so that we might be a witness to the world. And don't we know that the world needs that witness, amen? Uh, The numbers wasn't too many, many years ago that better than 70% of people being polled said that they were believers in Jesus Christ. That number is now down under 50%. Under 50%. Even back then when 80-some percent were saying that they were believers, only 30 or so percent were attending worship on a regular basis. There's work to be done. And we're here to talk about the joy of that work 
today because it is for us each and every day when we awaken, it is onward and upward to a higher place, to a better place, to accomplishing maybe more than we did the day before, to be just a little more committed today than maybe we were the day before. To put Jesus out there to our families, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to the waitress, like the one last night at the Applebee's who was on her second day of work. And one could see that she was struggling to figure it all out. More than one time she had to say, I'll be right back, I gotta go ask the manager. I don't know why it is, but uh, for some reason, we always have questions about the menu or whatever. And this one just wasn't all that much aware of what was going on with the menu. And so back and forth she went, back and forth she went. But she was such a sweetheart. And our heart went out to her. And we wanted to make sure that she knew that she was doing well. That she was coming along and that she was going to be great at what she was doing. There's work to be done. And just even simple things like that. But in order for that work to be done, we need to get it. We need to understand that there is, in fact, work to do. Today is the celebration, the acknowledgement of the ascension of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ back up into the heavens to sit at the right hand of the Father and to rule over all things. One might argue that the work is done. That it's over with. He's taken care of everything. And so now we can just sit back and enjoy the warmth of his presence, the assurance of his coming again, the door that will open for us unto everlasting life. And let it be at that. And when things get a little shaky, go into a corner, ask him for help. He brings the help. We're reassured there. And we go on about our business. He did it all. The work is over with. I would argue today that if in fact that were the case, Jesus would have been raised on Sunday and he would have ascended on the Monday right after that. But in fact, according to our Acts lesson for today, he stays another whopping 40 days. 40 days to prove, number one, to prove that in fact he had been raised from the dead. And number two, to teach the apostles about the kingdom of God. Of God. Now one would think, three years, you got it, right? You got to have it after three years. But in the book of Acts, we hear right, in the, right off in the beginning, he had to stay 40 days to prove and to teach before he ascended unto the Father. Now one of my favorite texts in all of Scripture pretty much speaks to this. When Jesus to his disciples in the 14th chapter says, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, 
I would not say that I am going away from you, but I will come again. And when I come again, I will take you to be where I am also. And Thomas, wonderful Thomas says, where are you going, Lord? Where are you going, Lord? Three years, and here's the question, where are you going, Lord? And by the way, how are we to know the way? That is why this next verse is so crucial to our understanding as Christian individuals living in this world today. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through who? Me. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's that second part of the verse that really gets under the skin of people in this day and age. Even within the church, that word is offensive to some people. And if it's offensive to some people, then what don't you do? You don't speak it. You cut it off at that first part and you don't finish the rest of the verse. But the power really is in the second part of the verse. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no one can come to the Father except through Him. No one. No one. Gotta get it. Don't play games with it. Don't try to go around here with it. We love to do that with Scripture. Go here, around here, so it's more palatable. We got to market our Christianity, people will say. That's where we get escalators and lattes, right? And game rooms for the kids. And the list goes on and on and on. We got to market the church. Someone comes into the church, the first question we ask them, what can we do for you? Not, here's what we are doing for others. And as long as the church fulfills that answer to that question, they stay. But the moment it veers left or right or up or down or doesn't do it anymore, they're gone to another church. And they ask the same question. What are you going to do for me? What are you going to do for me? It's John, John F. Kennedy, wasn't it? Who said that most famous thing? It's not what you can not what the country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Put the church in there. It's not what the church can do for you. It's not what Jesus can do for you at this point in time. It's what you can do for the church. It's what you can do for Jesus. Enjoy. And in excitement. And in great anticipation of how it is that God will use you to accomplish his work in this world. It's not you or me that does the work. It's Jesus who does the work. 
I say it every time, and God help me, I, I, I can't do this on my own. I got to believe inside of myself that when I speak to you, my mouth is moving, but it's not my words. They are the words of Jesus brought in and through the power of God's spirit. Otherwise, it doesn't mean a thing. It gets you nowhere. It does nothing for you. But if the spirit is at work, if the spirit is moving through you, then things will begin to happen and lives will be changed. That's the work. Changing lives. Changing lives. So that those who don't know, know. Those who haven't come, come. Those who were distressed, find release. Those who were suffering, find joy. Those who were sick, find healing. And the list goes on and on and on as God works in and through us to pronounce and to declare and to proclaim that there is one Lord and Savior of the world. He sits on the throne. He will come again to judge. But in the meantime, it is our wonderful responsibility and privilege to be his workers in this place. Can you say amen to that? Are you hearing me? I, 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 I went to a seminary for four years. And when, when, when you complete your seminary work, you, you, you write an essay a rather large essay that answers a number of questions that the, that the seminary uh, thinks are important for them to have answers to. And then you hand this essay in, and it is given to six or seven or eight, whatever the number is, pastors, and they, they read this essay. And then an appointment is scheduled, and you go into this room and you sit down in a chair, and they're at a table sitting there, eight of them, with this essay in front of them. And they begin to pound. Well, what do you mean by this? Why did you say that? What do you think about this? I don't agree with that. How do you feel about that, that I don't agree with that? What are you going to say to me? And on and on and on it goes. Well, in one true sense, the seminary did a great job on me. Because I learned about grace. I mean, I learned that I am a wretched, condemned old creature that has no worth and value of any kind really on his own. But God reaches down in the person of Jesus Christ, lays his hand on me and says, I am making you my child. I am forgiving you your sin. You turn around, you repent of your sin, and I will make you one of my own. I will set you up in my kingdom and you will live out a life of hope and security and confidence in me, even unto everlasting life. I say, oh, man, that's great. Saved by grace through faith. Not that I work for it. It's a gift. It comes to all who would believe 
in him. And that's what I told him in this meeting. And one of those eight pastors said, well, wait a minute, wait a, wait a minute, you're missing something. I said, what am I missing? He says, what are you going to do about it? I said, I don't know. Hadn't thought about that too much. Scripture is clear, there is a response. And the response is a raised hand. Jesus calls and we say, yes, here I am. Give me the tools and I'll do the work. And so Jesus comes along, he provides the tool. And with that tool in hand, we go out and we do the work. Now let me defend this. In the gospel for today, Jesus tells them, he reminds them again of everything that he had done. And it says in verse 45, then he opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. Suffering, rising, repentance for the forgiveness of sins that would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, that that would begin from Jerusalem. He says in verse 49, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Stay in the city. Wait. I think that's a problem too. We do a lot of waiting. Not a whole lot of action. Things are needing to be done and we're still looking up into heaven wondering where he went. In Acts, it's written that two men stood there and asked them, what, 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 what are you doing? Yes, he went. He will come back. But in the meantime, he said what? Wait. That was 10 days. Because it was 40 days of teaching Pentecost, which you'll hear about tomorrow, was at what? The 50th day. That's 10 days. They waited 10 days. That was it. All the waiting was over. They never waited again. They busted their backsides from Jerusalem to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Of that day, they moved every day risking their lives for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Repent and believe. Be baptized and know the joy of life in Jesus Christ. The verse that always confused me I think the Lord gave it to me here this day in preparation for this. It's in Philippians. And it says, I have thought it necessary to send you to Ephoritus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow worker 
and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all, has been distressed because you heard that I was ill. Indeed, I was ill near to death, but God had mercy on me and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, that I might be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor and such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Paul never held back when it came to responding to what he had heard. He wanted people to know that God was with them wherever they were and whatever their circumstances were. And that within that context, they needed to work out their own salvation with trembling and with fear. Trembling and with fear. Question is, who's doing the work? I know, again, if I stand up here and do not believe that the Spirit of God is working for, through me, trust me, I am trembling in fear. But if I know, as He promises, that His Spirit is at work through me, and it's His work that's being done, not mine, then that trembling and that fear goes away. And I stand confident in the work that He is doing through me. Jesus said to his disciples, you wait. And there will be a promise fulfilled in your lives. In Acts, it is the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. They hadn't gotten it before, but I trust me, when the Spirit of God descended upon them on what you will hear next week in the Pentecost message, they got it. It was no longer a question. They were no longer saying like Thomas did in, 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 in John the 14th chapter, where are you going? And how are we supposed to know the way? They knew exactly where he had gone. They knew what they were supposed to do, where they were supposed to go. And they knew that when all was said and done and over, that they would know that life that was eternal. We have work to do. But we don't do it on our own. We do it by the power of of God's Spirit. I think it's easiest to close with these words that speak better than I could ever share it. Paul's writing in Philippians, the uh, third chapter, the 12th verse. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, 
forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He didn't worry about his past. All he cared about was what was going on today and tomorrow and the day after. And he pushed, he pressed harder and harder toward the goal, which for all of us is heaven. But he never let a day go by when he didn't share heaven and the one who makes heaven a reality with somebody. And the Spirit would work then. And through the Spirit, seeds were planted and lives were changed. Today, through you and through me, the Spirit works. Seeds are planted. Maybe in our homes, maybe with our friends, maybe with our co-workers, maybe with a stranger like this waitress. It doesn't matter. Seeds are planted and the Spirit works and the kingdom of God is blessed by it. May it be so for us. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.